Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast, the first of the new year. High five. Pete. High five. We're back. Uh, my I name hate is... doing high fives. That is like uh, we're rubbish at that in Europe. I always miss. Really? Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And was also, he... it wasn't, a, that, was a, that was a very not strong high five. Yeah, it was a very, it was like a weak handshake. Yep. Yeah, but somebody you taught me, hard. but you, you look at the elbow, yeah. and that does work. That, that does was work. me, Pete, I taught you that. You did teach me that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I teach you a lot of things, Pete, mostly about philosophy. Hi, I'm the philosopher. Pete is a comedian and an internet uh, personality. Yep. Uh, Pete has a small company called The Valley Folk uh, with your friends, where you make comedy for people on Patreon. And I am a writer, theologian, and a speaker. You spend um, most of your time in your pajamas in most your house. Most of my time in my pajamas, yeah. looking upon the sky uh, scrapers yeah. surrounding. Dude, your place is just the most peaceful place. So, it, yeah, you've really it nailed yeah. it. I've this tried to make nice. it so calming and peaceful. It's so just um, clean lines. Everywhere is clean. Everywhere. I've never seen a fridge as organized <laughs> as that. It's so cool. It feels when you open that fridge like you're at, like you're walking into Google and it just has like lines and lines, everything, any yeah. soda you want. So thank you for this. I think it's strange. Yeah, I think I'm caught in the anal phase. That's kind of where you... You have to, it's about cleanliness and dirtiness. And, uh, you know, you see people here obsessively clean or obsessively dirty. Anal retentive, is that what it is? Yeah, something anal about it, you know. But we all have anal and oral fixations. Uh, You smoke. That's a bit of an oral fixation. I've smoked once or twice in my day. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, me, no, I don't do bad habits. Yeah, um, yeah I'm doing dry January, which we talked about for a second. So nice. you're having a gin and tonic. I'm having a gin and tonic. You are I'm having an orange soda. It's terrible because I was saying to you earlier that the only reason why I'm drinking is because when I see you, like Pavlov's dog, yeah. I immediately go and party. open up the drinks. <laughs> well, that's part, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> that's probably a good sign that I'm on the right yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> it, it is very, I just, so, so it's like the bell rings and I just start salivating yep. for alcohol. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Elliot's here. Great. <laughs> Let's begin. Yeah. Let's feel bad tomorrow. Um, yeah. So dry I, January, good job. Dry January, we'll see what happens after. Yeah, I'm very, it, there's no, um, there's no with withdrawal or any kind of like missing it right now because I feel like in the December, heroin takes the edge off. Exactly, yeah. you got to replace it with something. Absolutely, keep it healthy. <laughs> um, no, I feel very pickled after uh, after New Year's. I was just like, okay, yeah, no, I'm 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 very I'm good. How was your New Year's? And New Year's was great. I was I was going to not do anything. I was yeah. really tired. There was a party in Laguna Beach with some friends, but it was like, it's going to take me an hour and a half to drive there. Too much. Too much. But then some friends were having the party 15 minutes away, and I much. showed up, I uh, thought, it's around 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, it was actually a really fun party. You really showed up good. at 10? Around 10 and stayed through. I kind of thought 10, and then, if, you know, having a good time, a couple hours and go home, but stayed later than that. Did fun. you all watch the ball drop? or I, I put it on the background. They had a projector going, but they yeah. had like a DJ going and stuff, and I just kind of had the ball going up. I, it was where I picked the wrong channel, and so for ages it was just pictures of, uh, I think I was in Elephants Fox News and, or something, so oh, it was just okay. lots of pictures of politic, controversial political characters, yeah. and I was like, oh no, shit, no, no, so, no. <laughs> no, get the ball, get the we'll ball. There'll be enough of that yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you uh, have any New Year's resolutions or any kind of... You know, I, I haven't, um, I, I always forget to do that. Yeah. But but uh, you've had some dry January. Dry January is one, and just, yeah, being generally healthier, uh doing more stuff on my YouTube channel. Yes, that was a big thing we were talking about. It's not really resolution, though. That's more of a pivot that I was waiting till the new year to do. So I don't know if that counts. It's not like new year, new me. It's like, I just want to do some more weird stuff. But uh, yeah, Yeah. that's about it. We'll see. We'll see if any of it happens. Um, So this particular episode, we're covering a few different things. Uh, One of them is going to be, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, guilt, uh, we're going to talk about World War Three for some reason, <laughs> and uh, and whatever else comes up for fun. Yeah. Um, and I have had a Starbucks espresso double shot, so if I'm coming off really excited, it's not because I'm pumped. It's not up because of anything I'm saying. <laughs> it's not or because, because of or pizza. God forbid <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's dive in. So we got guilt, and I love where we talked a second before hitting record. I love where this is going. Hit me with it. All right. Okay. So I was thinking about this quote by uh, Lacan. And I kind of wanted to go a a few different directions. So I was thinking, I think I said to you, I said, I'd like to talk about perversion. And I wanted to talk about desire and sexual desire. But then I kind of started thinking, well, let's do one on guilt. So guilt was the interesting thing. And the quote uh, is this quote from Seminar 7 of his... uh, lectures uh, so every year he gave a seminar so yeah. each seminar is a year seminar seven he said 
uh, the only guilt you feel is giving ground relative to your desire, right? So the, the guilt arises when you give ground relative to your desire. So I thought it would be fun to, to kind of unpick that a little bit and see where it goes. Let's unpick it up. Let's it. pick it away. Okay, so I, I basically, because this is the structure, isn't it, where you do the intro, then I do a little bit of a sermon, and then we both get into a conversation. It's perfect, because I can BS for a couple minutes, you say something substantial, and I get to sit back and just listen, yeah. and then we uh, and the podcast starts after that, yeah. Perfect. Okay, I'm just, I just feel guilty. I'm gonna for those, for whoever made the, the fundamentalist oh, so bingo game, oh, yeah, yeah, so we good. just did one of them, I think. Which where one? One, we mentioned gin and tonic, and then two, we did... Uh, we should do a podcast we talk about the po- We talk about the podcast during the podcast and whether or not it's going to... Yeah, I yeah. think... I think we did three because and I try to stop myself there because I remember my tendency is to go, we should do a podcast on that. So it's going to say perversion, we should do a podcast. And yep. I stopped myself because of the bingo card. There's one in, for the Valley Cast where every episode, I didn't realize this, but most episodes... After the intro, at some point, I'll be like, Steve, I think I'm peaking. Like, I think I'm, my volume is peaking. And <laughs> it would happen over and over again. And I don't know if it was because other people were using the podcast and or podcast room. But I didn't realize that it was almost every episode. And then it became a running thing of, like, people being like, there is, there is. And to this day, I, I still go, like, I think I'm peaking. And I'm like, ah, crap, I did it again. But I do think I'm peaking. Oh, wow. So it's very funny. Anyway, yeah. uh, go ahead. There's okay. that Starbucks talking. Um, so, oh, yeah. What does this mean? Because here, what is guilt? That's the question. What is guilt? Guilt when you do bad thing, feel bad. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because here's, a, I was thinking about animal lovers recently and uh, people who have dogs. You're a dog lover. I'm, I'm a, a dog, dog lover. lover. Um, but, you know, people will say, oh, my dog feels guilty. If it pisses uh, when it shouldn't, it has this guilt mm-hmm. on it. And I was thinking about that and going like, well, right, what if that's not actually really guilt, right? Guilt's a more interesting thing than that. And this quote gets at it. And so to think about it, uh, think about being pulled over by the police, right? You're going down the road, you're not speeding, not doing anything wrong. You see the lights, cop pulls you over. For many neurotic people, they start to feel guilty, right? They start to feel this guilt and this anxiety. And then the police officer comes along and they're like, sorry, officer, and I hope I didn't do anything wrong. And they give their license and then the, you know, the police officer lets them go. So why is it that they feel guilty when they did nothing wrong. That's the interesting bit, right? Not when you feel guilty because you did something wrong. Okay. Why do people feel guilty when they did everything right? And this gets us to the core of guilt. <laughs> so I was, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, my girlfriend and I went to Palm Springs and we didn't eat prior. We got real hungry. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to uh, Postmates... Some Subway sandwiches, some or some Jersey Mike's sandwiches, rather. Wow, you look after your bodies. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, we're health nuts. And uh, <laughs> we got to um, the, uh, we got to, we were, oh, wow, there's a helicopter right there. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I've never seen them that close. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah that was amazing. Uh, and it looked like it was kind of coming toward us. Really neat stuff. Yeah. So anyway, we... Uh, we tried to time it. <laughs> Suddenly the, the podcast goes blank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did they upload? Uh, um, yeah, so we tried to time it so we would get to the house at the same time that the, the Postmates mm-hmm. guy did so that he wasn't just waiting. Yeah. And it turns out we were going to be like three minutes late because you can see you know, where they're coming on the app. And so uh, Grace messaged the guy and was like, we'll be – We'll be a few minutes late. He was like, no problem. Let me know. We still felt bad because it's like those guys make their money by getting as many rides done as possible, getting as much done. And so we turn onto the street that the house is on. There's a four-way stop. And I rolled through it like nobody's business. It's an empty, empty street. Mm -hmm. And uh, Grace goes, how funny would it be if you just, you immediately get pulled over? And I was like, yeah. I was like right next to the house. I was like, yeah, I think we'll be okay. There's there's no one around. Pull into the house. It was literally right there. The guy's waiting with the sandwiches. I'm getting out of the car and I hear in a, a motorbike cop pulls no. directly into the driveway. No. And I was like, I get out of the car and I just look at him and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I just started laughing. But I like, then I, I was in my head, I was just like, okay, friggin' okay. And Grace is like, grabbing the subway sandwiches and like our car is like full of all the baggage it had to be you because you get caught every time all the time that's why yeah i'm a good law-abiding citizen because i know if i do break a law 
you get caught. I'm going to get caught. If I don't pay my meter, if I speak, I get caught, if I don't have a tag up to date, yeah. basically I just break too many laws. But uh, I felt no guilt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I also had done, he was like, do you know why I'm stopping you? And I was like, yes, sir. Um, I was like, I um, rolled through this, the four-way stop. And uh, he goes, why'd you do that? Mm. And I was like, oh, uh, we had, um, Postmates. I uh, was like, and we didn't want to. We didn't want to wait because we were running late. And uh, and I was like, I know it's very stupid. And he was like, Yeah, he was like, it's very stupid. And uh, he goes, license and registration. You know, oh, did he give like, you a ticket? So he, we give him all this stuff, and he does not give us a ticket. Oh, he, that's good. He's, yeah. you know, we're sitting there, and he's looking at, and 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 the tags weren't great. So didn't have the stickers on our tags or whatever. It and, was a stolen uh, car as well. It was well. a stolen car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of drugs in the Yeah, in the, I had cocaine yeah. up my butthole. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was like, okay. He's like, it's fine. He's like, enjoy your weekend. He's like, in the future, yeah. don't roll through the stop signs. Like, the ticket will be more expensive than the sandwiches. And I was like, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And he rolled off. But I just had one of those things of like, I don't, I know I messed up. And of course, it, of course it's happening. But, you know, it is yeah. what it is. But it was not the same as feeling guilty yeah. in not doing something. But see, you, this is similar to me. And I don't know how much I can say. <coughs> about, I don't think this is totally fine. But I was driving for some time without a license. and Recently? No, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I it weirdly had no guilt at all. But a couple of times I got pulled over by, by the police. And I had to be so persuasive to avoid the, yeah, the, the trouble. Yeah, so that was, a, and yep. I, but it was weird because I felt um, the opposite of what a neurotic feels, which is profound guilt even when they do the right thing. We were feeling no guilt about doing the wrong thing. Yeah, that's so a scarier is, thing. Yeah, yeah, and this, this is why then guilt becomes really interesting because a dog would feel guilty not if it feels bad because it pissed in the house when it shouldn't have, but if it didn't piss in the house... And then felt guilty. That yeah. would be human guilt. And it's hard to know if... I don't think dogs feel that. No, you, they, yeah. I don't think they, they do. Don't, yeah. Unless they're just skittish and scared. But that's not because they have to pee. It's usually just because they're skittish and scared and yeah. were hurt previously. But <laughs> yeah, so guilt is basically giving into one's desire, which basically sounds like uh, guilt's when you do what you want to do when it's different than what, what society tells you to do. Kind of. It's the difference between what's called demand and desire. Okay. Right? So the demand is a demand of society or demand of your parents, demand of the, the party you're at, whatever, the ever social demands, the demand of the big other. And desire is, and this is, this is where it gets interesting, desire is not necessarily your desire. We'll get to that in a second. But desire is, uh, I think we've used this example before, but maybe demand is if your mum says to you, listen, don't hit anybody if you're at school. Don't get into fights. Mm-hmm. That's a demand. But then someone bullies you and you go to the teacher and you tell the teacher and you don't hit the person back. And maybe you talk to your parents and you can see that they're happy because you obeyed their demand, but they're a bit disappointed because their desire was, oh, you should have just hit the guy, mm-hmm. right? So that, the, the weird thing is demand and desire are slightly different. So if you get pulled over by the cops and you feel guilty, let's imagine it's me. Maybe I have the desire to speed off and have a big car chase, right? That's my desire. So even though I don't do it, yeah. I don't do it. I obey the demand of society to pull over, to stop. But because I have this desire to speed off and try and lose the cop, my superego uh, condensed before. So weirdly, I feel guilty, not because of what I did. I feel guilty because I gave ground to my desire. I didn't do what I desired. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, whenever you watch people who are guilty feel guilty the, the question often is is what desire are they giving ground to what yep. do they want to do that they're not doing well the uh wouldn't it be if you're pulled over by a police officer and you're feeling bad and you're getting which i mean granted i in my small i knew what i had done i knew there was no one around and i knew that i had done i was it was it, it was what it was and yeah. i was also out of my car which is a weird no because it's because you did what you desired you see you, what you desired to do was sandwich. break the law and yeah. get the sandwich i mean you desired to to go to go to the house to get the subway sandwich because you mm-hmm. hate your body and uh, and eat the sandwich with I your feel girlfriend. Like you're giving Jersey Mike's a hard time. Jersey Mike's. Is, <laughs> well, Jersey Mike's. Is let's very not good, bring actually. Jersey Mike's into this. <laughs> yeah, we may ruin a sponsor. They've done deal. nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they. So you di- you did what you desired. So, but you disobeyed the demand of society. Oh, so there so was hence no- you don't feel any guilt because you didn't give ground to your desire. Yeah, it's you, when yeah. it's it's the opposite way around. Is if you know the cop pulls you over because you. 
you didn't do anything wrong, but you wanted to get the subway. There's, yeah. there's weird, and unconsciously you don't. This is none of this happening consciously. But the reason, one of the reasons you can say you didn't feel any guilt is literally because you didn't give ground to your desire. Yeah, you just laughed. You just said, "Oh yeah, sorry, I'm gonna have to pay a fine." Yeah, yeah, that's I, I yeah, I knowingly broke law, and I, as my mom would say, growing up, I deliberately disobeyed. Yeah, did you ever yeah. get that growing up? That term? Oh no, and that sounds very religious. Really? No, yeah. I don't know. You well, it's no, a, but it has a nice ring to it. It might be. It yeah. probably is a result of of the Florida culture, but um, or that kind of conservative culture, deliberately disobeyed. Yeah. Um, but the desire to speed off when you're in the car isn't really a desire to have a car chase necessarily, right? It's mm. a desire to flee that situation and get out of it in some way. Yeah. Or do you thinking something a little bit more malicious, a little bit more no, like crazy? It, it could be anything. I mean, that's the thing. So like, it could be anything. Like your desire could be to basically imagine that the police officer is like a symbol of the authority of the big other. So your desire might be just to rebel against the big other. Mm-hmm. So that's your desire. And it, and, it's, and, and it just manifests in... You know, you don't even think about speeding off, but it would manifest in some way of going. Maybe you want to shout at the police officer. Yeah. Maybe you want to tell them to piss off, whatever. So it it doesn't matter. But in in a way, with the police officer is a symbol of the big other. Um, your it, desire might be to rebel against the big other. Yeah, it's interesting how when it when it comes to getting pulled over by a police officer, it can ruin your day, regardless of yeah. what if you get a ticket or not. Like I've in my experience, growing up, especially if I got pulled over. I would feel guilty about it for the rest of the day. Like yeah. it would kill the day. And then I would feel pangs of guilt about it the next day. Yeah. And it was, it would just, I'd slowly wait for it to diminish, but it would be like, uh, it'd be like a three day process before I was kind of over it. Which yeah, is it can play crazy. in people's minds. That's why even after, even after people walk away from an argument where they didn't say something, they can obsess in the shower about what they would have said. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, what they did is they obeyed the demand, which is don't say anything and it's wrong, but they didn't obey their desire. Yeah, and so they're like feel anxious and guilty and feel I should have said this and if only I'd said this. Um, but here's the funny thing, and it might it might relate to your your experiences. It's not just my desire to run away from the police officer. In a way, it's the other's desire. Like, and in a very concrete way, like the police officer would probably love it if yeah. he drove off. Right, and nothing better than for the police officer to do a big chase. Yeah, that'd maybe he doesn't want to write another ticket. Yeah, or just wants to chase you. Yeah. You know, well, that'd be great, and he'd be able to tell the family, oh, "I had this big car chase." Right, so anarchy, pure yeah. anarchy. So it's so it's not simply that the demand is on the other and desire is in you. They're both in you and the other. That's where it gets a bit more complicated. So even when the the reason why the police officer didn't give you a ticket, partly maybe, is because the demand, because he's the authority, his the demand is for him to give you a ticket, but his desire is oh screw it, you wanted to get your uh, jersey, what's it called, jersey, Jacks, jersey mics, jersey mics, um, and that's kind of funny and that's kind of cool, and of course you didn't show any guilt, so so he has a conflict between desire and demand. I also think it has something to do with the fact that it's Palm Springs, and they assumed that since we were just getting there that we aren't there often and that we're tourists and they want to they don't want to give tickets to tourists oh is that right that's my I thought theory. they want to get rid of tourists no. i think my 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 theory is that they want to keep tourists around because yeah. it kind of keeps the town alive a little yeah. bit but, but you see because i could be wrong yeah it's no just... no absolutely and but here's the thing imagine he gave you a ticket my my hypothesis in this situation not knowing it and of course it's just a it's just a thought experiment is that he would have felt guilty giving you a ticket the reason why he would have felt guilty giving you a ticket is because he would have obeyed the demand, but not his desire. Mm. So he would obey the demand as a police officer to give you a ticket, but he wouldn't have obeyed his desire, which is, yes, my goodness, of course you're not going to, you know. <laughs> yes, it's Irish, like, yeah, you're just a young couple who was hungry. <laughs> yeah, hungry, and like it was a four-way stop. So, so it's in everybody. So that cop, now he doesn't feel guilt, right, because yeah. he or she didn't give you a ticket, right, but um, but would have felt guilt if they had given you a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, so this I also is- like to think there was, there was just no, there was no guilt or shame in my demeanor, and I wonder if that often makes it easier for them to write tickets, because the guilt and the shame can sort of cue them that oh, yeah. like, oh yeah, you feel guilty, you feel shame, I'm going to punish you with a ticket, and it's like, if in my case, and I wasn't trying to be this way, but I truly was just standing there silently, like waiting for the experience to be over because I was like, this is, it's going to go one way or the other. And I'm still not going to have, I'm going to have my sandwich in the same amount of time, basically. And I was like, this is, I hope he doesn't write me a ticket. And, uh, but I, I wonder if him sit standing there and just, like, also I wasn't in my car at that point. I've never had that happen where it's like, I'm standing there. He's, he's on a bike. It's not like, 
we're right there. We're like six feet apart. And I wonder if there's a little bit of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like you're a human. Yeah. Like well, not rather yeah. than see me in behind the wheel and like, oh God, I'm sorry, sir. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that kind of in Stalinist system, you were guilty because of your guilt. So in a Stalinist system, if you showed guilt, it wasn't, they knew it wasn't because you'd done something, but they yeah. knew that the guilt was because you wanted to rebel. So the guilt was not, you, you go like, I didn't do anything wrong. Go, your, your guilt condemns you because your guilt shows that unconsciously you did want to rebel. So technically, whenever you show guilt to a police officer or to any authority figure, at a certain level, they read that not as you having necessarily done anything wrong, but as you wanting to have done something wrong. And so you're, you're guilty because of your guilt. So in other words, if you can show no guilt whatsoever, which is what I, one of, that's one of the techniques to get out of it. That's how I got out of it with the new driver's license is you show absolutely no guilt. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that will work a fair amount of time. Yeah. Um, but it's very difficult for somebody who's neurotic not to show any guilt whatsoever. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a technique that, you know, say psychotic individuals can do. They can it's literally hard, show no guilt whatsoever. It's hard, it's hard to fake. It's a, and it's also not often that I would ever feel that. Like, it truly was like, I did a harmless, illegal maneuver yeah. that... Sh- but it's also because you, because you obeyed your desire, because you didn't give... It's like, in the Lacanian tradition, is in this very small way, you did not give ground to your desire. Well, <laughs> there was also such a clear not lying thing. Like, there's the kid. Like, yeah. he has the sandwiches. Please, like, yeah. there's no... Like, it's, it's such an absurd thing to lie about, but all the proof is right there. Like, is my girlfriend's getting the sandwiches. Those are the yeah, sandwiches. Yeah. You see the sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> but I think even without that, yeah, you would yeah. have felt no guilt simply because you didn't cede your desire. Now, now is yeah. Lacan, is he, is he all about, I mean, because obviously we've talked about him ad nauseum, but yeah. I, it, his, yeah. his That's hook. That's bingo card. Yep. His, uh, his hook is uh, the desire when you mention it is not a, typically speaking, it's a, it's a slightly self-destructive or not in your best interest thing, right? Like your, your subconscious desires are not out to make you into a whole person that is, you know, your best self, according to him, right? It's like, it's darker impulses driven by a death, or there's a death drive behind it. There's some kind of a thing that's like wanting destruction, wanting to run away from the police, wanting to cause anarchy. Doesn't it tend to be darker stuff when it comes to Lacanian desire? Yes and no, kind of, but you are getting something. This is getting something I would love to talk about, which maybe doesn't bring us to World War Three yet, but we will get there. We got plenty of time. You got plenty of time. You're not in any rush. And I That's think good. this is. Good. I was aiming for a bridge, but yeah, we. Can. Okay, yeah, no, I, I I saw you were aiming, and I thought that was a very good bridge, but then I thought, oh, it'd be fun to but talk. Let's take about. a detour. Why not? Okay, let's do that. Um, oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, on that, yeah, desire. The other reason why he's saying don't compromise your desire is because if you compromise your desire, you're going to end up doing something terrible, right? Now, of course, you're not, don't speed off on the police, right? There's a certain sense of guilt is not bad. In fact, for all neurotics, they have to deal with guilt, right? Yeah. So this, if you, we all yeah. went around doing what we wanted to do, yeah. we would all be having sex and doing drugs and society would crumble and no one would have any responsibility. And is that basically what he's saying? Well, no, well, that's, that's a good preacher voice because yeah. that's what the preachers say. But no, Lacan wants to say something kind of a bit more subtle, which is this, which is, no, you should do, right? Basically, your desire is structured in a certain way and don't compromise that or something terrible will happen. But it doesn't mean you have to act it out in a particular so for example right here's three ways you can desire in terms of sex yes right so tip, oh, okay. typical way someone desires during sex is there has to be an obstacle you overcome okay right so you have to go on date night you have to go for a meal you have to arrange a weekend away right so what you'll notice for the typical couple is in order to have a, a good sexual experience, you have to have a bit of an obstacle that you overcome. And it's simple, it's a date. It's, a, it's going, you know, in America they talk about date night, isn't mm-hmm. that right? And you go like, and the whole point, and everyone knows is date night is an opportunity to have sex. Well, well then why do the date night? Why do the meal? Why spend the money on the wine? Why create these obstacles to the bedroom? But it's because the obstacles generate the desire for the bedroom. We've talked about that before. The object of desire is sex. The object cause of desire, what gets in the way is the meal. So you have the meal and it makes you have sex. If that is your desire structure, that's great. You can, you can manifest it in mm-hmm. lots of different ways, but don't compromise that desire. Now, a perverse structure is different. 
So a perverse structure is where you, you directly desire the obstacle. You don't desire what's mm-hmm. on the other yeah, side of the yeah, obstacle. Yeah, yeah. So if you think of a guy going to a prostitute, there's loads of obstacles. It costs money. It's transgressive. He wouldn't want his kids to find out. He wouldn't want his partner maybe to find out. So there's all these obstacles that then allows the sex to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you imagine someone going to like a dominatrix, there is no sex. It's yeah. pure prohibition. It's everything is about you can't touch me, you can't do this, you can't have this. It's not and, about sex. It's about the the role playing. Yeah, well, that. well, it's a kind of in a sense. It's about the obstacle to sex. Yeah. It's about directly about not having. Yeah, about not having. So weirdly, if you or a fetish party is interesting to go. If you wanna if you wanna see people enjoy not having sex, you go to a fetish party because that's people directly enjoying <laughs> not yeah. having sex. Um, I'm good. Yeah. And then the <laughs> and then the uh, the psychotic kind of structure is where someone can directly embrace their pleasure without any obstacles. So he, I saw that, I think I saw this in a TV program. I think it was Westworld, where you know that it's a motif where you have like a, a brothel, mm-hmm. but there's no transgressive dimension to it. Everybody's in partying, drinking. There's literally no transgression to the brothel, right? That's a pure neurotic fantasy. A brothel wouldn't work like that except for psychotic people. Because Trans- there's no transgression as in there's everyone is just free and uninhibited. Uninhibited. And, that kind of and, it's, and yeah, and I can directly have sex without any form of obstacle that's yeah. in the way. And that's, that's, that's a different structure. So basically what I'm saying is if you take those three structures, whichever structure you are, don't compromise it. But that doesn't mean you have to... This is like Hogwarts houses. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're... That makes you... If you let go... If you imagine a brothel and there's no inhibitions and everyone's going crazy, you're a Gryffindor. And uh, yeah, the other one is the perverse. If it's a BDSM, it's Slytherin. And um, the one that requires the obstacle, the normal sex, would be like a Ravenclaw. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs are uh, uh, Hufflepuffs would be a um, they'd be the the celibate ones, mm. the ones that that are just simply celibate across the board and prudish nuns. Nuns, yeah. <laughs> well, are are is that the, are nuns the ultimate perverse subject? That's up to you, not yeah. for me to decide. Yeah, like because it, it's it's ultimately the ultimate. Um, pleasure in not having sex you know where, you, where ultimately for some of the mystics you end up having a sexual experience with god or a sexual experience with yeah god. like monk, monks and stuff but yeah. couldn't you argue that for nuns too that they have like a they get their sexual satisfaction from their spiritual journey isn't that the whole yeah but, but exchange that, rate which is a technically a perverse structure but is that you lit- literally you directly get your sexual pleasure from the journey towards the mm. sexual pleasure um, it's like a monk, like after a while, you just wouldn't want sex, right? Like you starve that that desire, or would you be of the opinion that it never go it never goes away? Or well, or that you're you're just able to, and this is a positive thing, you're able to directly get your. It's it's like it's like the fascist. Not I'm saying <laughs> monks are fascists, but there's a fascist oh, structure. Well, monks are fascists, yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's a fascist structure where where which is the other. Hogwarts, the fifth Hogwarts. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> um, but for for someone who's who's was saying a military kind of like a militia, fascist militia, their desire is directly in the sacrifice of their desire. So you see it in like in Nazi uniforms. In it, the the ultimate fantasy is you give up your pleasure for your country. You give up you to sacrifice everything, but then you directly get libidinal. The, uh, pleasure out of the sacrifice of pleasure. Sickos. So it's a, it's a really it's a, absolute sickos. Sickos. <laughs> uh, okay, so we've deviated. I was wondering if incels. Well, but anyway, keep going. Incels. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, incels are an interesting. Uh, we. Sh- I was about to say it. Oh yeah. Uh, bingo. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> uh, well, let's real quick. You're familiar with this term, incels. Yeah. It means uh, involuntary celibate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I think that that idea is so funny. So it basically means that they're, and they're self-proclaimed, right? People yeah. wear it as a badge of honor. They will say that they're an incel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's hard to say, but there are people who yeah, self-proclaim as incels. That's why I think it might be, I'm not, most incels are probably not perverse, but I think it's a perverse structure, which mm-hmm. is neither good nor bad in that they directly get pleasure out of... Now, it's difficult because they're involuntary celibates. Yeah. So, and it with, but with, can you be involuntary celibate if you are a self-proclaimed involuntary celibate? Isn't that sort of being like... Like, how, 
how can you choose how can you decide that you have no choice to be but to be celibate well they they're saying that in the Women. society they are or just in general like without getting too because you know I, I'm very sympathetic to everything so I'm going like some incels it's sad yes, for sure yeah but or, or it isn't like so there's let's think incel A incel A is basically going like I want to have sex and I can't incel B but, is saying that um, is taking pleasure in not having sex as in they're, they're kind of, they're, they've got a podcast about it, they're writing blogs about it, they're, they're getting, you can see they're getting enjoyment from their res- resentment of, of society. And then cel- in celibate C, involved, that would probably be your two... In- let's pivot. I don't want to talk about World War III. Okay. I want to talk about incels for a second. <laughs> okay. uh, let's, let's, this is way, incels are way more fun than World War Three, and you can quote me on that. Yeah. Uh, so, and in the first incel you mentioned... Right. Is that they're not getting pleasure from being celibate? They're literally they're going like I I don't know the new rules of the game. I I I I'm not having sex, and I really genuinely would like to have sex. But it's not that's not impotence. Not impotence. No, it's just it's just that they're they're maybe very insecure. They're like innocently and, like yeah, like I just can't figure this out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I don't I don't feel like I fit into the sex game yeah, or the, yeah. the mating game. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how, what my and there's, and there's loads are. of people like that. My goodness, I feel like, That's, I feel like the majority of my life has been like that. Like just not knowing how to flirt or how to, to chat someone like like that's so many people feel it a little bit. That's why I'm sympathetic in the sense of all of us knew that to some extent, like all of us have kind I don't of think like, any guy would ever, and no guy I know would ever feel like they couldn't relate to yes. being involuntarily celibate. Yes. But yes. I would just call that, being single, I guess. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. But anyway, yeah, anyway or not so dating. That, yeah. I get it. That means I think it. So but then you're fine. saying the second one is the interesting one. That's the interesting one. It's also when I say it, I'm talking about the people who are, mm-hmm. the, the you know, the people, you know, they're like really angry. Yeah. Like they're very upset and they have self-victimized so much, it seems to me, that uh, they've become a meme. Yeah. And it, they've become like a, They've been chalked up to this group that exists online, and I'm so con- I'm truly confused by it because I don't know if they n- intentionally know that they're a joke, and if they do, why are they continuing to wave the incel flag? Because it's become known as this kind of um, wormy, self-hating, woman-hating guy, yeah, and I don't. I'm yeah. sure that's not the case. I know, and I, I'm that, not, this is this is where like the social media stuff it's all social media but but i'm interested in the figure you're talking about so let's talk about the figure of someone who can't who isn't having sex who wants to have sex but who so here here's the thing right let's let's put them beside a second person right let's put them beside someone who enjoys fetishistic sex in other words genital sex is not of interest to them right that's just neither here nor there what they like is the prohibition what they like is the impossibility so they enjoy it so they're getting direct libidinal enjoyment from it and then put it beside the incel they're also getting enjoyment but they don't experience it as enjoyment i.e they're they're talking about it they're angry at society they're getting enjoyment out of their hatred just like hate looking at twitter or something so they're not enjoying their enjoyment but they are getting enjoyment so that's very typical of lots of people yeah, I mean, it's like the, the girl who says she can never find a nice guy and it's yeah like how, he's maybe getting enjoyment out of not yeah it's like yeah. well you're getting something out of dating jerk after jerk after jerk yeah. after jerk so there's you're yes. even you're you're never going to say that's enjoyment but something in you wants it on a on an unconscious level, yeah. right? Okay. So, yeah, exactly. So if I was talking to that incel you're talking about, <laughs> I would be interested in just going, is trying to help them see the enjoyment they're getting out of their lack of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And then one of two things would happen. Either you could evaporate their symptom and then maybe they would be able to then have a sexual relationship or you're they a wizard, would discover... Harry. What's that? <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> 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 or that they'd be part of Slytherin. Is that Slytherin? Yeah, they yeah. realize they're part of Slytherin. You do a little and the, spell on them. Yeah, and, and it evaporates their uh, virginity. Yeah, but or yeah, second, or they become Slytherin and they go, oh, I actually enjoy not having sex. Yeah. And there's a whole, there's a whole lots of people like that, and I can enjoy it. So for me, an incel is just someone who has not been able to enjoy their enjoyment or dissolve their symptom. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um, such an interesting word. Yeah, because it sounds so. Um, it sounds very cool. It sounds cool. It sounds 
uh, futuristic almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like it's something you would call an army on the moon. It's very, it's very communist because that's what the communists always did: is they um, took two words and they reduced them to, oh really, to, like the first few letters of each word so yeah. I'm trying to think of any examples off the top of my head but there's lots of examples within communist systems of like uh, and it's, it's it always sounds very cool yeah, yeah. it's bad it sounds badass yeah. and then they, they get chalked up to being sort of these cartoonish uh figures on the internet and um which can be mean but also then they get mean and it's just a lot of it's 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 low you know what? it's I, all I, low I, stuff yeah. I I have discovered on social media that that people can be mean it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I'm guessing it's rare, but I have seen it. But, you know, it's interesting. We mentioned memes a second ago, and we mentioned uh, social media. World War Three is coming up, uh-huh, yeah. And I don't know if you know about this or not, but um, I know everything about what's going on with this. Yeah. I've researched it. I actually am very... You're uh, making a bunker? I have, I'm making a bunker, and I've, I know a lot about, like, Iran and Iraq and um, or Iraq and all these these places and i know how the middle east functions as well as how our government functions (laughs) and i think it's important to say that because a lot of people are kind of talking out their butt with this topic and they're pretending to know what's going to happen um but i actually do know oh because i do see i remember living with you and you always had your head in books about iran i was obsessed obsessed my whole life yeah my whole hobby yeah yeah um i definitely knew who this guy was that got killed before no not at all okay (laughs) i was thinking about what if you as a thought experiment if you just started looking at people uh who public figures or big figures who die in some way but you can only rank them in age like you have to imagine that their birth date is when you found out who they were so like a lot of people will uh like if if you know when uh michael jackson died like he was i basically knew who he was my entire life so i that's a different one but this guy this salmon blah 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 name i don't know i didn't know who he was before he died did you know No, no 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 yeah so it was a his existence in my life and in my brain was infinitesimal. He was born two days ago. He was born two days ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it sucks. He, I, you know, he, whatever. You come into this world and you leave sadly, it. He was born the day he died. Sadly, yeah. But isn't for that you, crazy? That for, yeah. for the majority of Americans, and apparently, right. did a lot of damage in that amount of yeah. time. Uh, yeah. So there's this whole thing happening. Obviously, I'm joking and being a dork about the uh, what I know because I know nothing. I don't think anybody knows anything. But I do think it's interesting what social media does with World War Three and how immediately I, you wake up. You saw this. It, it, World War Three is trending. I, I didn't believe it immediately. There's scary things happening. One is a lot of people immediately believe that World War Three is happening. They hear mm-hmm. the word impeach. They think Trump is out of office. They hear uh, uh, so many things, and they don't know how anything actually works. But then it speaks yeah. to a fear that speaks they're to having. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'm it Speaks weirdly, to a desire. Yeah, anybody yeah, that gets to that. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, then there's the other side of... The meme accounts, the meme people, the com- the online comedians immediately making jokes, like yeah. immediately creating stuff where I'm getting drafted, me when I get drafted, oh, here, here's me waking up to memes about World War Three and all that stuff. And it's like how we, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism, I don't know if it's how we process what we're actually experiencing, or if it speaks to just a deep, deep irreverence and nihilism in the millennial generation that they immediately uh, just don't give a crap and they're like, oh, World War Three, okay, here's a funny joke. Uh, but I prefer that over the people who are hyper paranoid. Mm. And then there's the other side of people who are like, no, no, nothing's going to happen. It's fine. You don't know. Then there's the people who go, we're at the camp I'm in, which is like, I don't know. I don't know what any of this is. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how this works. I, I don't. Did, did, were there two other world wars before this one? I yeah, exactly. Why, why is this three? Was I, I is sleeping? This? Is this a Star Wars thing? Are we going to go back and make one and two later? Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, it's all very interesting to me. And I don't, yeah. it's fascinating to see how social media um, just, it also, there's algorithms where you, whatever algorithm you're in on your social media is, you're only going to get that angle of it. And you think because you're on the internet, you're going to get multiple angles. But really, all the social media now is just tailored to your previous browsing. So it's kind of becoming more insular and more like in a bubble. Yeah. Um, hence why I'll turn on, and you, I know you'll turn on Fox News or whatever. Yeah. I'll get on Facebook and see what people are saying where it's like, yeah. I want to at least make sure that it's not all like this, right? So anyway. Yeah, no, this, let's jump in. By the way, you mentioned Michael Jackson, just as an aside. 
I think Michael Jackson has a desire structure, had a desire structure where he, he, he got pleasure out of not getting what he wanted. And that's why there were so few accusations against him because he literally, because that's, that's, the, that's the problem people have with him is either he would have abused thousands or hundreds of kids or he wasn't interested at all. But of course, if your desire structure is that you get desire out of not getting what you desire, then it would make sense of the situation. But anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Um, yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> uh, the, um, oh yeah, World War th- Yeah, here's the thing. So I was at a party a couple of weeks ago. And it's rare for me to go out of the house, as you know, but I did. And is that a. I like it every yeah, time. Yeah, so, I get excited every time. Yeah. You, get... you know, I should go out more because it me does too, give man. me fuel for, for podcasts. Yeah, yeah and, but also, I don't go out at all. I mean, you I do, travel. You, you look as if you're doing so much fun stuff. Yeah, it does look like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't leave the house ever. Uh, well, except you've spent the last two weeks in like Florida and in New Jersey. But that's, fancy I think, New travel Jersey. is different than like going out to a party or anything like uh, that. But I mean, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. I do go out. I go out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was Thank at you. a party or as a friend's house, a get together, let's call it. Um, and there was a guy there and we were talking and he said that he was fascinated uh, no, that's right. He was terrified of death. He, from when he could remember as a teenager. I hope that's how he introduced himself. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hey, uh, I am terrified of death. Yeah, you know this is the problem with me at parties. Is I have a tendency to draw these kind of conversations out of people, For sure. which is not you're good at it. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, you people want to go to a party. I myself and not necessarily get into these. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why that happens, but this happened. No, He's it's like, good. It's, you, you invite it in a good way. It's yeah. good. I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. I see people go, yeah, so I actually grew up doing it. And I'm like, here it goes. Yeah. It's your entertainment. And I'm like, let's just get drunk. No, You, okay, you yeah. like listening to people. But I do love listening to people. At a party that's very oh. convenient. Yeah, yeah, that works well. So, and this guy was a fascinating guy, really interesting guy. Um, and he, but he's terrified of death and he's tried to solve it. He's tried to work it out. But as we were talking and I was saying to him, I was like, listen, what, what if you're not terrified of death. What if you're fascinated by death? Mm-hmm. What if you want to die? And, you know, it's in the same way that you're, if you look over a cliff, like I have a thing in here, you know, you can open up window. Yes. So I live on the 31st floor and you open up this and right. you can basically look down. And I, I do a little thing with people, not a lot, but I kind of ask them if they can fall against the plastic protector yes so it's a weird thing where it, if you fall against it it feels like you're falling which goes up to about my sternum yeah so it's a really nice little and it's glass so you can't really see it so if you fall forward into it you feel like you're gonna fall 31 floors it's terrifying terrifying but and in, also not not a smart thing to do <laughs> probably not yeah <laughs> Uh, but I did it yeah. for sure yeah, one yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was some Christmas party over here, and and I did it. Curtis did it. Yeah, other yeah. people did but it. And, the yeah. interesting thing is, but right, some people can't do it, but also some people can't even go close to the window. Yeah, right. And it's like looking over a cliff. If you suddenly pull back and are terrified of falling or jumping, is not all the time, but it can be a hint that you want to jump. That's so what, a Kierkegaard, right? And Kierkegaard say that yeah. it's not the it's not the fear of heights or something it's the desire to jump that's right my goodness yeah you're right yeah. there's there's a Kierkegaard thing about that definitely so that you when without fear of jumping is is weirdly when you catch yourself in your desire so you catch yourself in your desire and you have to pull back because you, you know part of you part of you wants like, to jump part of wants to jump well, well, yeah. and so if you don't feel that at all there's not really much of you that wants to jump now so what I was saying to this guy is right is actually although it looks like you're terrified of dying you know, let's let's just reframe it for a second. And in this situation, he, he kind of went, "Yeah, okay." And and th- there was something in him that. Did you give him the example of the? I think I mentioned that. Yeah, I mentioned it. But the but, cliff. Yeah, the cliff. But I kind of wanted to be a bit more subtle as well. But I think I did mention it. But at first, you just kind of all you do is you just kind of put the idea in their head. You just kind of go inception. Inception. Yeah, uh, I like how our our belches were perfectly synced up there for a mm. second. Like, yep, that's like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant too. Uh, yeah, inception. Yeah, yeah you're going yeah. into their yeah. their brain. You're planting the seed. Well, or, or hopefully, well, hopefully you're revealing the seed that's there. But sure, yeah, whatever. That's but, a much um, nicer term. Doesn't necessarily way is that. But he, in, in terms of World War Three, I just wonder whether something similar is happening. That the the fact that people it escalated to that level so quickly is. How many people are, without knowing it, secretly wanting 
the end of the world <laughs> to kind of prove that you know for a whole pile of reasons one, one is, to, is shoot, to prove yeah yeah to prove the see the, see i told you this was terrible big bad man bad yes yes orange man bad orange man bad uh, um uh, and sometimes it can just be pure death drive, pure, but or pure fascination in one's own death. Because pure fascination in one's yeah. own death is a big one. It could be all the above. Yeah, because there's a funny, there's a book came out in religious circles because a lot of religious cults predict the end of the world, right? And we all laugh at that, like the UFO is going to come down and you know whatever. And and then there's a, there was a book written by a group of sociologists about what happens when a cult is presented with the fact that it didn't happen. Now, but we have to be honest, it's like this idea of the prediction of the end of the world isn't just a religious thing. There are people who are predicting and wanting the end of the world in a secular way. And this World War Three thing is like, fr- from saying the world's going to be over in 20 years, like Extinction Rebellion type mm-hmm. thing, um, or, or you know, World War Three is about to happen. It's like, there's paranoia, there's fear, but there's also desire. It's all in there. I mean, even the person who is like scared to walk near the edge of a you have giant windows very pretty but logically speaking mm-hmm. no one's gonna shove them yeah. out of a 31 story window even that is absurd but a part of them is going if i go over there my world will be my world will end like yeah. it, there it, there is a there is a fear keeping me from coming from going over there because if i go over there it's the destruction of the world which of yeah. course is like that's absurd but there's something they just they still obey the thing that's like which i get people are scared i, I, I could give a crap but i don't know yeah but that, that that connects with something you said earlier about the darkness of desire but like that's a dark dimension of desire is you want to at some level there's some fascination with destruction now, and, and the fact that you don't give into it, like, so somebody doesn't go close to my window, mm-hmm. right? They're not giving into their desire, which, by the way, is a very good thing. Don't throw yourself off a building, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't give into your desire. But the point that Lacan is making... not to go near the window. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and the point Lacan's making is not that desire is bad he's, or guilt is bad. He's just saying guilt arises when you don't... When guilt arises when you don't... When you cede your desire, guilt arises when you don't do what you desire. Mm-hmm. And what you have to find is healthy ways to do what you desire. And so, for example, you might become a parachutist. You mm-hmm. might actually, you know, you desire to throw yourself out a window, but the demand is not to. Well, maybe you will find yourself being yeah. able to satisfy that desire by doing some extreme sport. There's lots of ways to satisfy your desire. I wonder if there's such a, it's such a interesting uh it sounds to me like something that people would get really uh, stiff about, kind of uh, jammed up about, if they were to be told, if the most pe- if the people on social media who are freaking out the most, um, who unless they're just unless I just missed the boat on mm. all of, on international relations, which. It's very, very possible. I, very possible. <laughs> but unless like, everyone yeah. else was on the boat, yeah. most people don't know anything about what is going on, why it's going on. And by the way, we're recording this on Saturday, so who knows uh, what the case is now. We will be disproved <laughs> if the world ends, but then that's okay because... Uh, yeah, then yeah, we really do win. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. Told you. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but it just seems like that level of passion, if you were to be told uh, that actually what you want is for that to happen, I can imagine people getting kind of upset about that and yeah. sort of feeling demeaned. But I do yes. feel like I can relate to it personally. I remember when se- on September 11, 2001, uh, I was 14, and I remember high-fiving my uh, high school friend uh, after he said, we're going to go to war. I high-fived him because I was like, yeah, war is cool. I was 14, I don't yeah. and I, but I felt so guilty about that for mm-hmm. so long and so much shame about the fact that I was like, I didn't know, like I didn't realize that, like didn't, I hadn't internalized or had mm-hmm. empathy for, learned empathy for the fact that uh, it's a destructive, horrible thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the, what the thing is, but I know that was in me at that age. I knew that, that thing of going, yeah, this is crazy. Everything's going to get, we're going to get crazy. This is going to yeah. be nuts. Um, and I don't even know if that's a desire for destruction or if it's just a desire as a kid to like see a good fist fight, but on an international level. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So. But, but that, that is like, if you talk to a religious cult, 
that believes that UFOs are going to appear in 10 years and take them to planet Zog, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you directly say to that group, listen, this is a reflection of your internal desire, they're of course going to reject it. It's not. It's like, it's just, it's just factual. It's going to happen. And even, I don't even want it to happen because everybody else is going to be left behind, all my friends who don't believe, et cetera, et cetera. So you do, they do not experience it as a desire. They experience it as a fact that they are merely responding to. Yeah. But it's very easy to see that, of course, there is a, there is a dimension of des- libidinal investment and desire in it. So exactly in the same way, if you say to somebody who's tweeting about World War Three that this is, uh, there is a dimension of libidinal desire in this, um, of course they're going to say no because it's a difference between what's called primary and secondary processes. Secondary processes are your rational processes and primary processes are your unconscious processes. And at the secondary level, you're like, no, I'm literally just uh, talking about the facts. Mm-hmm. But at the primary level, you're engaged because as you say, there's like a, a certain lack of knowledge. And actually, if you kn- do know a fair amount, I think, you know, we're very far away from World War Three on this. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Or... We could be proven wrong. Well, I, yeah, I mean, a world, well, a world war is a world war, as in a war, a war that yeah. involves. Now, I guess people are saying that because they're concerned that the people behind Iran, the people like China and Russia and, and America, you know, so I, it's not like impossible, but that's that's the same thing about the UFOs, and it's more possible than the UFOs. It's but not, yeah. it's it's possible. But it's like my mum, who oh, she's great, but she is nervous about using an ATM. Uh, what do you call them here? Yeah, ATMs. ATM, yeah, yeah. Um, we call them hole in the walls. I always forget. Yeah. ATMs. So because uh, she really might call get them hole in the walls. Yeah, I always kept saying that in America. I would say, "Oh, the hole in the wall." Wow, that's great. But yeah, it's, it's like not. A, it's like not, a, not the technical term, but that's what we all say. That's very funny. Yeah, the hole, a hole in, the in the wall here is like a little a glory dive hole? bar. Or, or no, okay, oh, sorry. Like a tiny <laughs> rat, like a little hole in the wall restaurant, something like that. All yeah, right, that's fine. I was thinking of a glory hole when you said that. That's different. That's different again. That can get you in trouble. Yeah, but my mum, you know, she she doesn't like to use ATMs. She wants to go into the bank. And you go, well, that is reasonable because you could get robbed. Like, you could get robbed. And I've seen your mom. She's a sweet-looking little, yeah. little old lady. So. Yeah, so she could get robbed. But but at the same time, you go, it's uh, it, there's something about her desire and fear that's invested in that belief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, the, yeah. Um, I read this. Do you know what the oatmeal is? What you eat for breakfast? Yeah, it's that. And it's also this uh, comic strip, like, cartoon-esque, you know, panel uh, thing. I don't know a lot about it, but it's been around forever and it's super popular and very good. But there's one on... This is, by the way, another bingo card where, where Elliot explains a meme, but it's not quite a meme, but it's something of popular yeah, culture. something from the internet. <laughs> uh, it's basically, it goes through, it's like, let's do, uh, it's two birds talking to one another. And the bird's like, hey, I'm going to tell you something. And it's going to be true. And I want you to, we're going to talk about it. And I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. And I'm going to try to... to um, give you some information so it goes you know how george washington had um uh, wooden teeth and the bird's like yeah he goes okay what if i told you that actually george washington did not have a set of wooden teeth that historians found recently that his teeth were actually made of wood ivory gold uh elephant tusks or whatever um and obviously ivory and um uh, Pearl, and it, you know, shows this cartoon, and it's George Washington. His teeth goes from wood, and it's all this stuff. And uh, the he, the bird's like, "How do you how do you feel about that?" And he's like, "It's interesting." He's like, "You probably felt like it was interesting." Uh, he goes, "I'm going to tell you one more thing." He goes, "What if I told you that George Washington had another set of teeth uh, that were made, uh, set of dentures that were made from the teeth of slaves?" And the he goes, you probably had a different reaction. And he gives sources throughout uh, this. And he oh, goes, yeah, yeah. you probably had a different reaction to one of these things than you did the other thing, but both are true. He had a set of teeth that was all these different things, and he had a set of teeth that was solely made from slaves. And he goes, so let me give you some other facts. This happens, this happens, this happens, all like mundane stuff. And then he goes, here's some other facts. This, 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 and this. And he called it the, he said in the comic, it's something called the backfire effect in psychology, where if you 
tell somebody a piece of information that is tied to their emotions that they aren't going to be able to hear what you're saying because the same part of the brain that reacts to information that is threatening also is the same part of the brain that reacts to physical stuff that's threatening and so you kind of run away from it in the same way so you get angry and your voice goes up and you go no that can never be the case and you even if there's facts and even if there's sources you're still going to be upset about it because you haven't um I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. But it by, reminded by the, me of it when oh, you're yeah. talking about the, the primary, secondary stuff. That, and that's I know all great. First of all, it's funny because like, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a, like a funny comic. And I'm like, oh, no. my goodness. No, it's <laughs> very serious. And that that this is why I want to do, uh, and this is another bingo card, but I want to do a podcast on what's called the gaze because the idea of the gaze is that we think we look at things objectively, but when we look at things, there's a part of ourselves within what we look at. And and we have to we have to somehow work mm. on that because when I when I look even if you look on people on the internet, on Twitter, who talk about certain events that really frustrate them or they really important to them, you can see yeah that that's important to them. But other events that are equally crazy are not important Just to them. Don't matter, yeah. Yeah, and also sometimes that they're quick to, uh, and we all are. We're quick to believe things that that connect with our prejudices and our ideas and. And and yeah, and how do we kind of get around that? Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Is that the, there's something of our there's something of us that's within facts. It's not that there are no facts. Of course, there are facts, but there's something of ourselves that is also interpolated into facts. And maybe it's what you look for first in a fact. You know, mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. it's what you see in some way that yeah. somehow immediately you have to get past the part that's you before you see yeah. the rest of the stuff that's not you. I, I mean, don't this know. is that, by the way. Now this, we're getting yeah. into pure. But this, this is why I don't do anything on social media about uh, my beliefs for a few reasons. But but one of them is, um, like, I do get annoyed at some things that I read and see in the world and that want to respond to them. But but there's also, it's, philosophy trains you to do this, is to take a step back and yeah. to think about things and to also see why you're invested in it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, you're going to get yourself in trouble every time whenever you start to kind of like um because there's something of you in what you're responding to mm-hmm. and you've got to figure that that out even in my even in the desire for me to go get online or say kind of my like this is what's going on this is a, yeah. a death drive fantasy land that you know just whatever uh there's something in me that believes on some level that I know best and that I think I'm right about everything and I'm I'm that is interlaced in my I'm, I'm not just yeah. altruistically trying to help people or trying to or trying to inform I don't really know yeah, yeah. but I say it in such a way and and I have a fault of saying things in such a way that it comes off like I'm 100% sure probably because I still on some level need to feel like I'm 100% yeah. sure about things, which speaks to all sorts of stuff going back to, I'm sure, when I was a kid and growing up religious and, and that's, all that. Yeah, and that's the nature of language, which I think is fascinating. So language is different from communication. Communication is what animals have. So a noise means danger or mating or whatever, right? That's mm-hmm. communication. That's what computers do. Language is when you can never say what you're saying. You always say less or more than you're saying. So it's very difficult. So I had a situation with a friend recently where um, they were annoyed at something and I was trying to respond to what they were saying. And it's really difficult because you go like, whatever you say, you're also saying more and less than you want to say. So um, you're, there's, 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 there can be a dig in what mm-hmm. you're saying. There can be kind of like a, you're the problem or I'm... like. You can that's be a breadcrumb that you're condescendingly try to let them lead yeah. you to the conclude. You lead the witness as it's yeah. yeah. And even if you say nothing, you end up your nothing says more. So it's like it's the, the, the one of the things about language is you can never say what you say. You can in a very basic way, but the, obviously the perfect example is or an example that we all know is someone saying, "I want you to leave." But they, they, what they mean is, I want you to fight to stay. Mm-hmm. But they can't say, I want you to fight to stay, because if they said that, then you would just do it to obey the demand rather than, than the desire. Uh, so you have to say, I want you to leave, so that they can say, no, I'm not going to leave. We need to work this out. And that's the weird thing we have to work with in language, is there's the grammar of language, and then there's the, the grammar that underlines our desire. 
We're all just big hot messes, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's. I think that that is about. Yeah, we're mm. right there. So we timed it well. That was um, fun. That was great. That and was I think there's one. lots of things we can expand on in future episodes. Yeah, that was like a little uh, little sample. That was a chartreuse board of of topics. Is that how you say it? Chartreuse. Chartreuse. I don't know how to say that word. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Cheese, cheese on wood. Yeah. Charcuterie. Charcuterie. I think charcuterie. And that's my takeaway, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year, Pete. Um, what, yeah. What's your takeaway? What's your... Oh, yeah. Because I don't really have one. I enjoyed no, yeah. all that. And now, that was, oh, what my takeaway is I realized what I was saying when I had that desire to hit people with their uh, not primary um, place, but the secondary place when I can be pompous or whatever. I'm now realizing that that's a part of me wanting to be sure of myself on some fundamental level, even though I know deep down I'm not. Yeah, very nice. Or I guess I know, I don't know deep down I'm not. I know cognitively that I'm not. Is that another bingo card one where Elliot gets free therapy? Where yes, you have some sort of I'm insight sure. in Well, that's, yeah, that's the whole hook. <laughs> and I just came from therapy too, so I oh, did am you? tired. Oh, you yeah. are. That today is a day. You just go home to bed Me, me, this. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my takeaway is, oh, my takeaway is, um, is if when you feel guilty, it's a good opportunity to go like, what is my desire, and like how, and then how do I find a way to express that desire in a more healthy way? So that funny thing of of guilt is not about you've done something wrong, so much as guilt is somehow you've ceded to your desire, which you may have had to do, obviously. But then you you have an opportunity to see your desire. What is your desire? And um, what's that come? What's that about? What's that? Cool. Love it. Thank you, Pete. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.